Welcome to Taiwan Yuan, where we'll share stories of Taiwanese innovators, makers, and advocates. I'm your host, Cindy. Today's advocate is Michael, who founded Camper Press. Michael publishes books on Taiwanese history, culture, and viewpoints that maybe aren't being heard anywhere else. The best part, guys, is that it's all being done in English, which is kind of great for people like you and me. So let's meet Michael. Hi, Michael. Tell us about yourself and your connection to Taiwan. Hi, Cindy. Uh, thank you for having me, first of all, and congratulations on the show. Um, I think you're doing great work here. As you can probably tell from the accent, I'm English. Um, <laughs> I moved to Taiwan after university in 2002. And it was something of a, a happy accident, really. There was no particular reason to choose Taiwan over anywhere else, but I wanted to go somewhere new and experience something new. Um, so I lived in Tainan for, for two years. Uh, and the rest of the time I was in Taiwan, I lived in um, what was Taipei County now, New Taipei City in Zhonghe and Shizhou. Uh, I moved back to the UK uh, six years ago. That was just after starting Camphor Press. So for most of the life of the publishing company, I've been here and my uh, two partners have been in Taiwan. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about Camphor Press? Yeah, so uh, Camphor Press is a publisher, an independent publisher focused on East Asia. We started in Taiwan and all three of us uh, lived in Taiwan at that point. We wanted, first of all, to tell stories, offer a platform for, for writing about Taiwan and China that didn't exist elsewhere. And since then, we've expanded our reach a little bit. So we now cover Korea and Japan as well. We were up to about 120 books now in six years. So doing pretty well there. Um, but the, the real aim is to firstly offer that platform, but also to support freedom of expression in the face of authoritarian uh, pressure in, in Asia, particularly from China. So we want to offer a place where you can tell stories that um, might not be able to be told elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, that's a great mission. Is there a significance of naming your company Camphor? Yeah, so the, the camphor tree um, is found all over Taiwan and, and elsewhere in East Asia. There's one particular tree in Xinyi Township in, in Nantou that is 1,500 years old, um, predates any written history of the island. That tree has seen things that are lost in time now. And then in the 19th century, camphor was a significant export for Taiwan, a significant part of Taiwan's economy. It was used in munitions and medicine as a preservative and other things. So I like the name camphor because it represents Taiwan's history and its connections to the outside world. I think it suits us. Oh my gosh. I knew there was a story there, but that was just, <laughs> wow. Um, and yeah, it's so poetic. Hmm. Great name. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So you mentioned that, uh, you know, you're looking to collect stories, uh, all sorts of stories that represent maybe people's perception or historical views of Taiwan, China, and now Japan and Korea. How do, you, how do you pick which stories to publish? So most of the books we publish now are submissions sent to us by authors. So because we have a bit of a reputation now in publishing for um, books about East Asia, people tend to write to us and say, I've written something, are you interested? Uh, the criteria we use to decide whether to publish them or not 
it's it's very personal. I mean, it's books that we like to read, books that we think are interesting, that are well written, that perhaps say something that isn't being said elsewhere. We also reprint old books that we like. In some cases, those are public domain books, and in other cases, we need to contact the rights holders to work out permissions and so on. So, as an example of that, we have a book called A Pale of Oysters by Vern Snyder. It's a novel set um, during the early days of the White Terror. Uh, it was banned in Taiwan um, during the martial law era, era and was really hard to get hold of even outside Taiwan. It's a great book and it's a great sort of window into that time. So we contacted Vern Snyder's widow and she was delighted uh, that we wanted to bring it back into print. So some of the books come about that way as well. Wow. How did you hear of that book or how do you know um, about these books that maybe you know aren't in circulation right now? Well, both of us um, who are involved in recruiting um, or acquiring books, that's me, me and John in the press, we both read an awful lot of books about Taiwan. Uh, in fact, mm -hmm. John just recently published his uh, Taiwan in 100 books, where he goes through the history of Taiwan and looks at society and culture based on his reading um, around the, the country. So there are a lot of things that, you know, we might have picked up secondhand or um, uh, somebody has told us about that aren't really available at the moment that we enjoyed and we think are useful and interesting and those those books we want to bring back. Mm -hmm. I noticed that these books, um, they're written in English. And I was delighted myself because, you know, I've been looking for more material on Taiwan so I could learn more about uh, the history side of things. Um, mm. Do you think there's a benefit of having more Taiwanese materials available in English? Oh, definitely. I think, I believe Taiwan's future depends on its interconnectedness with the rest of the world. I think helping people to understand Taiwan uh, mm. is a crucial part of that. Um, and that includes um, film, music, art, Taiwan's culture, uh, as well as the political story. I think that without that, bridge between between Taiwan and the outside world. Um, mm -hmm. It's very difficult for Taiwan to be understood and to cement its place in the world. And so without that, I think you're you're losing an awful lot. So it's it's about facilitating understanding of Taiwan. That's what we want to achieve. Mm -hmm. Do you know who your audience is? Uh, who's typically buying your books? We have some idea from the, the feedback we get the uh, largest market for us is the US. After that, it's Taiwan. In general, we have a lot of readers from the overseas Taiwanese community, so Taiwanese Americans, Taiwanese Canadians. Um, mm -hmm. We have a lot of readers in Taiwan who are native English speakers who want to learn more about the country that they're living in. Mm -hmm. um, so those are probably our two biggest groups. Um, for someone new to learning about Taiwan, do you have a book you'd recommend as a good starter book? I think uh, the one that I've already mentioned is um, Taiwan in a hundred books, mm -hmm. because that takes you through the history and culture of Taiwan and also gives you lots of opportunities for the new paths to go down. There are lots of books recommended in there that you can think, oh, well, I'd, I'd like to learn more about uh, the Dutch era in Taiwanese history, or I'd like to learn more about Taiwanese adoptees in the West or you know, there are lots of different topics in there where it gives you suggestions for further reading. So I think that's probably the one I would recommend as your, your starter book on Taiwan. And then I did notice that you had some fictional novels as well. Do you have a favorite? 
Oh, that's uh, that's a tricky question. It's kind of like uh, you know, <laughs> asking someone to choose their favorite child, isn't it? I know. <laughs> I think my favorite changes all the time, depending on what I'm working on. You know, I get really deep into a book when I'm working on it, and I love it, and uh, then mm. I move on to the next one. You know, so that that changes all the time. Um, I think there is one book that Camphor Press wouldn't exist without, um, mm. and. I'm sorry to mention John twice now in his books, but uh, but that book, <laughs> Formosan Odyssey, um, by John Ross. The subtitle of Formosan Odyssey is Taiwan Past and Present, and that kind of sums up what the book's about. It's a it's a travel log mixed with uh, episodes from Taiwan's past, and it takes in all kinds of interesting characters and places and times from. Uh, Jinmen as a fortress island, to foot binding, uh, to the Japanese era in Taiwan, to Western missionaries. So it's it combines um, a lot of things from Taiwan's past in a, a really readable package. It's a great introduction to Taiwan, I think. And it was reissuing that book that led to my discussions with John, which led, then led to us starting the press. So without that, I would have never we would have never got started with Camphor Press. So that book in particular has a, a special place in my heart. Oh, and I'm so glad that you've really, you know, you've built up a fan base and you're over a hundred titles now. Um, if you could think back a little to the early days, uh, what was the hardest part of starting this press? I think that would be persevering when it was a struggle to begin with. It was quite a while before we started to see any significant sales. Um, it was quite a while before we knew whether it was going to succeed or not. And, and now it's doing really well. So probably the, uh, the most difficult part was keeping the faith early on. What have you learned from starting this business or doing this work? I've learned an awful lot from our authors. Um, there's so many windows into so many different lives that I would never have experienced without this. Earlier this year, we published the novel Migrante by J.W. Henry. The author conducted a large amount of research and interviews with migrant workers to tell the story of Rizal, uh, a Filipino fisherman working on a Taiwanese trawler. Southeast Asian workers in Taiwan are often treated appallingly. Uh, and this novel, and it's a wonderful, heartfelt novel, shines a light on a group of people who are often ignored. Um, I think there's also so many things involved in running a small publishing company. There's uh, accounting, taxes, cover design, uh, typesetting, marketing, web design, social media, all of these things. And what I've learned from that is it's actually better to be reasonably competent at lots of things rather than to excel at one thing, at least to be in publishing. If there's one more thing I've learned, it's probably that we have very little idea in advance which which of our books will sell well and which won't. We always <laughs> seem to get that wrong. Um, so it's almost go against your instinct. <laughs> You're right. Well, I think all of our titles, um, you know, at the beginning, I expect them all to do well. Uh, but perhaps one that um, it has exceeded expectations, I think, is a book called Lord of Formosa, um, which is a historical fiction novel um, about the Dutch era in Taiwan and the battle between uh, Koshinga, who was a Ming loyalist general, 
uh, and the Dutch East India Company, um, the battle between them for control of Taiwan. Uh, so that book has had a tremendous reception um, and uh, still sells very well today, um, three years after it was released. Going back a little bit about your past when you were in Taiwan, what do you miss most about expat life? There's three things for me, uh, three C's perhaps. Um, community, uh, convenience and countryside. I have a great group of friends and family in the country who uh, made me feel accepted and loved. Uh, in general, I think people are very open and welcoming, and I really appreciate that. Also, life is convenient, second of my C's. I don't just mean things like buying food or paying your bills or picking up packages at 7-Eleven, those kind of things, but also things like healthcare and dealing with the government for things like residency and taxes and so on. Most of these things are designed to make your life easier. Public transport uh, is a great example. Type A MRT is a, a wonderful thing, I think. And the last C is the, the countryside. I think the, that would be a reason, even if the other things didn't exist, that would be a reason to keep going back uh, to Taiwan. Once you get out of the cities, it really is a, a stunning place. Yeah, I don't think it's advertised enough. <laughs> no, I agree. You mentioned the importance of connecting Taiwan with the rest of the world. Mm. If there is one thing you want the rest of the world to know more about, uh, what would it be? Taiwan means a lot to me. I spent um, quite a large portion of my life there. But the thing that Taiwan offers, I think, to the rest of the world is hope. At the moment, it's a bit of a a bit of a worrying time. You know, authoritarianism, populism are on the rise across the world. And in that environment, Taiwan can act as, as a beacon. The, the transition to democracy, the broadening of essential rights to the LGBT community, the way Taiwan's handled coronavirus, uh, the fight against misinformation from China, you know, no country's perfect, of course, but I think at the moment the world could learn a lot from Taiwan's example. To check out the titles that Michael mentioned, you can visit camperpress.com. They've got ebooks, paperback, and hardcover. So you've got choices. And if you like this interview, please rate, subscribe, and share with your friends. Taiwan Jiao.